Well, good morning. Great to see you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Wasn't that great? Isn't that fun to see those parents? I'm like, wow, there's a lot of babies here. Um, but it is a joy to get to be with you. This morning, we're kicking off a brand new series that I'm really excited about. We'll actually be diving into this uh, ancient letter called uh, Ephesians and be studying that for quite some time. Uh, but the series is called uh, Unnoticed Grace. And the tagline is probably my favorite part about it. It's what's true of you that you never knew. Uh, and some of you are immediately arguing with me of like, no, 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 there can't be something true of me that I didn't know. Uh, but the reality is, is we've all had that experience where someone saw something in us, that, that they saw something that we couldn't see in ourselves. Go back to that moment, because uh, for some of you, someone saw something in you, and they said, man, I see this in you, and it actually redirected the course of your life, didn't it? Someone saw something that was true in you, and as a result, it redirected a relationship you're in. It, it changed uh, maybe um, your career path. Uh, I remember maybe not the first time, but one uh, instrumental time when someone saw something in me that, that I couldn't see in myself. And, and we have a lot of these areas in, in actuality. Uh, and I remember I was in college, but I, I wasn't a very good student. Uh, I don't know if you know that or not, but I went through high school and I, I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed having fun and doing as little as possible to get by. Yeah, and so, and I did whatever it took to do as little as possible. In fact, a lot of times it seemed like it was more work to do as little as possible. And I mean, when I graduated high school, I barely graduated high school. At one point, I was kicked off the volleyball team because my grades were too low. And thank God, a teacher literally just changed the grades because in Santa Cruz, volleyball is a big deal. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, and we were going to the CCS championships, and so they're like, hey, they need their outside hitter. Thank you very much. Oh, here I am. Uh, and so, and so I remember I wasn't a great student. I, I was a musician, loved to play sports, and I, in fact, took a year off of high school and just worked and figured out a lot of things I didn't want to do, you know, didn't want to work in a warehouse, you know, for the rest of my life. That was great. I tinted windows for a year. That was awesome, but ultimately, I didn't want to tint windows for the rest of my life, and so I decided, okay, I'm going to go to school. Couldn't figure out what I was going to school for and realized um, science wasn't going to be my deal. Math certainly was not going to be my deal. Uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I enjoyed reading the Bible and studying God's Word and just had a natural aptitude for that. And so I went to a private Bible school, but had no intentions of even knowing what that meant. And after my first year a guy named Dan Kimball, who was my high school pastor, gave me a phone call. It was in the middle of my first year. He was my high school pastor. He went on to lead all these sort of things, and I, re I still remember it. it. It so marked me, because I remember sitting outside of my dorm, because, you know, in those days, I didn't have cell phones, and we had a cord attached to our phone, and so I'm outside sitting in the hallway of our dorm, uh, and I remember him saying, hey, Ryan, yeah, yeah, what's up? I have a question to ask you. I, I was like, great. I'm like, I don't get phone calls from Dan a whole lot ever. This is weird. And, and he's like, this summer, our, our high school uh, ministry pastor's stepping down. We need someone to fill in. Would you step in for the summer and be the interim high school pastor? 
This is a high school ministry. It is about 200 plus students, multiple volunteers. And here he's asking a 20-year-old to step in and lead this ministry. And I remember I was floored because, to be honest, I never thought of myself as a leader. I thought of myself as um, enjoying to do a lot of fun stuff and being kind of a goof-off and making people laugh and athletic, sure. Um, uh, You know, playing sports, great. But a leader, no. And in that moment, he saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And as a result, it redirected the entire course of my life as I stepped into leading a ministry and got to help uh, get people on board and realize, man, that's a lot of fun and got to teach God's word for the first time ever and went, wow, this is exciting and seeing how God uses that and, and it just wrecked me. And I just said, I, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know the expression, but I want to do something like that. And it pointed back to a guy named Dan Kimball who saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And chances are, you've had many of those times as well in your life when someone saw something in you that you couldn't see in yourself. Now, what about this? What if, what if the God of the universe sees something that's true about you that you never knew? What if the God of the universe says, I created you, I made you, I I can speak into some things here that is so true about who you are, and as a result, it will redirect, it will give clarity. In fact, I think it does something like this for our lives when we begin to embrace what's true of us that we never knew. I I recently went and got new glasses, um, and so one... How's it? Yeah. All right. Some people say I look smarter. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm like, well, did I look dumb beforehand? Okay. Thank you very much. Now, now here's what's interesting. I, I first got glasses when I was in sixth grade. Uh, sixth grade was my year, by the way. Um, I was the man. I tell Jenny I peaked early and then just went downhill from there. Uh, But I also first got glasses in sixth grade, and uh, I remember having to get glasses and having to wear them, and I actually had, I have a stigma in one eye, and they're like, you know, we can try to correct it by putting a patch. So I not only had glasses, but I had a patch over my glasses, you know? And so fairly traumatized about wearing glasses from sixth grade that I've never really worn glasses. I've just compensated. I've just adjusted uh, recently, though, my eyesight has gotten uh, worse and worse that I, I've so enjoyed the Kindle on the iPad uh, because not only is it backlit, you can make the words as big as you want. It's unbelievable. And so my words are massive on there to, to read. And I recently went back and got my eyes tested, and, and it's never good when the person testing is like, oh, wow. You, you, <laughs> you know? They're like, yeah, your eyesight has really, really changed. And I got these new glasses. That's fantastic. I remember putting them on. I'm sitting uh, in our, uh, on our porch and just looking up, and I went, wow. All of a sudden, I, I didn't realize 
I didn't realize the definition of the trees and, and, and the beauty of a single leaf and how delicate and how intricate they were. I, I had been missing it the whole time. And Jenny's, you know, the first week of having the new prescription, I just kept going, wow, you know, it's like going from blurry to HD TV. I'm telling you, one of the best parts, and this is seriously one of the best parts, is when I see my kids, I'm seeing parts of their expression that I've missed. And I'm just going, wow, I love it. I, can't, I can see your smile so much more. I see the little nuances of your face. See, this is what happens when we begin to embrace what's true of us that we never knew. We begin to see with a fresh pair of lenses that allows us to see life with such clarity and such brilliance. And, and we're able to see what we haven't been able to see before. In fact, my prayer and my hope is that this will be a series for you, Unnoticed Grace, that would be much like my experience of getting new glasses, where you'd begin to see your life with clarity. You'd begin to see the world around you with such crystal um, beauty, and, and you'd begin to have a whole new reality that you step into. And so to do that, I, this morning, we simply want to lay the foundation for where we're going to be going, because we're going to be talking about the next uh, five weeks, five big things that are true about you uh, that probably you never knew, or even if you knew it, I think it's going to be hit at a way that you're like, oh, I never saw it that way before. And as a result, it will impact your life. It will, it will probably help you impact your relationship with God and with uh, yourself and others around you. Uh, but to do that, I, I want to just talk about from laying a foundational uh, reality for us, okay? I just want to lay a foundation this morning and give you one really big idea. And I'm going to give you the big idea um, in abbreviated form. It's going to be like really kind of, in fact, as I say it, it's not going to make any sense, but by the end of our time, you're going to go, oh, because what I want is I want you to have this like in your pocket, like you're able to take it with you and, and where you're able to go, okay, yeah, I, I can carry this just like I can carry glasses with me and I, I can realize, oh, I, I, need, I need an adjustment back to what's true of me. So I'm going to give you the, the abbreviated form and you're going to hear it and go, wow, um, you know what, the, uh, the kid's dedication was awesome, but that Ingram guy, he's making no sense. Just hurry up, bring it home. All right, here, here it is. Here's the big idea of what's true. This is what's true of you that you never knew. Here it is. For, not from, as a result, from, not for. Got it? Makes perfect sense, right? For, not from, as a result, from, not for. It's the abbreviated form. My wife loves abbreviations. In fact, she abbreviates the word abbreviation. says abbreves, you know, and so LOL. I didn't know what these meant. And she would use these, you know, um, uh, BRB. I'm like, what, what do these mean? KIT? I'm like, I just say the word. And then when she says, oh, keep in touch. I'm like, okay, why, why can't you just say that? Here's the abbreviated fo form. For, not from, as a result of from, not for. This is... Uh, at the core of what grace is, by the way. This is at the core of what it means to live out your life as a follower of Jesus. This phrase in the abbreviated form here is at the core of putting on a new lens and seeing the world in a fresh reality with crystal clear clarity. 
uh, to unpack this phrase, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians and start right at the very beginning. Now, the book of Ephesians found in the New Testament is written by a guy named Paul, first known as Saul. Now, for those of you who don't know the Apostle Paul, he once was an antagonist of those followers of Jesus. He persecuted those followers of Jesus, had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, and then gave his life for Jesus, and then, as a result, became persecuted for Jesus. He's sitting in a Roman cell, penning this to the church in Ephesus, and really, many scholars believe it's not just meant for the church in Ephesus, but it's a circular letter meant that it's going to circulate to all the different churches in Asia Minor. And what he's doing is he's going to unpack this beautiful new reality of what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be in grace. In fact, the first three chapters, theologians call it the indicative, and it indicates what's true of you. The next three chapters, so chapter four, five, and six, is the, what theologians call the imperative. How do you live out what's already true of you? In fact, uh, many people, uh, theologians say the first three chapters are, just seem like one long prayer of praise from Paul. Now, one theologian calls the uh, uh, book or letter or epistle, literally just means letter, uh, the letter of Paul, uh, this Ephesians, as the gospel of God's grace. That's what it's all about. And so let's pick it up right here to unpack this really abbreviated, nonsensical thing that you're going like, just get to the point, because I don't understand for, not from, as a result, from, not for. So let's start with the first phrase, for, not from. Paul starts off this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus. So we just get the background, the faithful in Christ. Now, listen to this, because he's going to unpack just what this book is all about right here. Grace and peace to you. Just underline two if you're taking notes here, uh, from, maybe a squiggly line just to denote difference, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We started off, what's true of you that you never knew, for, not from. Here's, here's what's revolutionary. Here's the new lenses in which uh, you're invited to look at life. God fundamentally wants something for you not from you. God fundamentally wants something for you, not from you. We're used to having people want stuff from us, aren't we? Uh, I mean, we live in a world where everybody wants something from you. It seems like the older you get, the more people want from you, and you're used to your boss wanting something from you, maybe coworkers wanting something from you, maybe relatives uh, wanting something from you. You don't want to answer their call because you know that that call of that person, they want something from you. And a lot of times we begin to attribute that, uh, this into our relationship with God, that God wants something from us. In fact, in the ancient Near culture in Ephesus, the uh, temple worship and the temple worship of Artemis or Diana in, in the Roman uh, context was, was one in which the gods wanted something from you, that they were gods to be appeased and to be pleased, and that you had to bring sacrifices into the temple to make peace with God. Go back to that verse really quick. Just notice this. It says, listen to this, it's so good, to God's holy people. This is so cool. That word holy, uh, some of your translations, if you have it reading in a different translation, says saint. 
This is a positional truth about every follower of Jesus. Holy, set apart. This is what is true of you. This is what happens when you step into a relationship with the God in the universe. He says, you're a saint. And some people go, you know what? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And well, that's nice, but it's not true. Because we, we put sainthood in, with the people who have done great things, and maybe Mother Teresa and different people like that, they're saints. But he's writing to every common person who's a follower of Jesus and saying, by the way, you're a saint. You are chosen, holy, precious of God. He says this grace, which is God's unmerited favor, grace is It is the pursuing good of God for you. That's what grace is. Grace and then peace and peace. Man, 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 this word's so good. Because as a result of grace, we have peace with God and we can experience the peace of God. And chances are the primary pursuit of your life, of getting from others, is to achieve peace in your life life. Grace and peace to you. And then, then he gives us this illustration, which is so powerful, and it actually makes sense for us to understand this for from concept. He says, grace and peace to you from our, what? Help me out. God and Father. Father. We, we just celebrated an incredible Incredible display, right, of, of parents dedicating their kids. We live in a world where everybody wants something from us, and there's very few relationships where you want something for others. You ask any of those parents lined up on this stage, what do they want from their kid? Their answer would be across the board, I guarantee you, nothing. You ask them the same question, what do you want for your kid? The answer across the board, the world. And that's what they, that's what the, all those words, those were answers of what do we want for our kid? And when Jesus wanted to help teach his disciples how to pray, he wanted to give them a word picture in who they were praying to, that it wasn't the God who wants something from them, but the God who has something for them. And so he says, our Father in heaven. He brings it home most poignantly in this famous parable. It's the, we call it the parable of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Tim Keller aptly writes that it's the, it's the prodigal God because prodigal simply means extravagant, excessive, and, and God is excessive in what he wants for us. And if you don't know the story of the parable of the prodigal, Jesus tells this story in, in unpacking God's heart to, to those who are farthest from him. God's heart to those who want nothing from him or want to be about him him, and he says that there's two sons and a dad, and this one son says, the youngest says, hey, dad, I want my share of the inheritance, which simply means this, I wish you were dead, (laughs) and you haven't died yet, so give me mine, and the dad divides the property, most likely had to sell off property, gives him his share of the inheritance, son goes off, spends it wildly in whatever way, enjoys life, but hard times come, famines come, he's, and he's out of money and out of luck, and he finds himself working for a pig farmer, tending to the pigs, and it says in that moment, he, it says he came to his senses, as, and he said this, it was like, the servants in my father's household are taken much better care than this. And so then he prepares this elaborate speech 
of what he is going to say to his dad and how he's going to grovel and just not ask to be a son, but ask to be a servant because he realizes what he's done and the offense that he's done to his dad. And as a result, the shame he's brought to his father and his family in this community. So I don't deserve to be your son. Just make me a servant. And so, and so he finally gets up the courage and he walks back and he's going to his home. And and I love how it's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, if you want to read it for yourself later. It says that the father saw him a long way off, which means he's been looking ever since he left. And the father saw him a long way off, and then he does what what no no respectable uh, man in the community would do. He runs. Because what he would have to do is he'd have to lift up his robe and disgrace himself and show his legs, which, by the way, you don't want to see mine either. And, and he runs to his son, meets him where he's at. And the son starts with his, Father, I don't deserve. And he just interrupts him. He, says, he talks to one of his servants, says, bring me the best rope, which would be his own rope. Bring me a ring, which is a sign of sonship, and bring me a sandals for his feet. And he begins to give his son what he doesn't deserve because it's his son. He says, you once were dead, but now you're alive. Prepare the fatted calf. See, this, this is such a big idea. Don't miss this. This, this will allow you to begin to see God with a different clarity. When you go, here's what's true of you that you never knew. You have a God. You have a God who fundamentally wants something for you. More, far more than he ever wants something from you. Uh, John Stott, theologian, writes this. Grace is God loving, God stooping, God coming to rescue, God giving himself generously in and through Jesus Christ. See, my kids, you ask me, what do I want from my kids? Nothing. What do I want for my kids? Everything. And then God looks at you and says, you're my kid. That's how I respond to you. That's, that's how I think about you. It's not coming somehow to appease, not coming somehow in a deficit, right where you're off, even if you're a long way off, even if you feel like there's no way. He's like, no, 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 you're my kid. I'm for you. Well, how do I know God's for me? He says, in Christ Jesus. See, see we believe Jesus died for us as followers of Jesus. We believe he gave his life for us. And here, here's just kind of like a newsflash, if you will. If someone's willing to die for you, they're for you. Just thought I'd let you know. I mean, you may have not missed that fact at some point along the way, but, but if someone's willing to die for you, then they are for you. What's true of you? For, not from. For, not from. You have a God who is for you. Now, as a result, from, not for. Look at what Paul says next. He writes this, Praise be, and literally the word is blessed be, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who has blessed us? Underline that, has blessed. That's past tense. This is finished. This is done. This is a present reality, what is true. In the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
God wants something for you, not from you. As a result, you and I live from a place of blessing, not for blessing. This is positionally true of every follower of Jesus. This is so important. See, he says this, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, now we're going to unpack not every spiritual blessing because we can't get there, but sometimes we think God's a stingy God, God's a holding out God, that it's not from blessing, but I somehow have to earn blessing. I have to work for blessing as if grace wasn't quite good enough. That, you know, where the Apostle Paul would later write, his grace is sufficient for me. And you're like, no, 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 it's a little deficient. If, if we're honest, is, is grace got me most of the way, but I got to work part of the way through there. It's a little deficient. It's mostly sufficient, but it's not, couldn't be fully sufficient. I got to work my way there. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how grace works. You don't get it. See, you're positionally in Christ, and so as a result, you are blessed. How blessed? Every Spiritual blessing, not some of them. Not, not, not just, ah, well, that one, but you know what? There's a second tier for the good Christians, <laughs> you know, because when you really kind of get to this level, then you'll get the rest of them, you know. It's kind of like that, that, you know, the gold, platinum, you know. We get that with our uh, credit cards and whatnot. God doesn't play that game. He doesn't say, you know what, you're... <laughs> You're a bronze-level member of the follower of Jesus, right? Um, you're, you're silver. Oh, wow. Ooh, pastor huh, might be there. Or he says, no, no, no. Are you in Christ? Are you? If you are, he says, the full blessing of God is at your disposal. And he'll go spend the next three chapters to unpack what that is. That is the indicative. It indicates what is already true of you. Next week, we're going to talk about one of them that I, I hope you come back because it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be one of those. It's going to be fun. It's chosen. You've been chosen in God. And the week after that, we're going to be talking about being adopted. That you're adopted as this kid. That you're redeemed. That you're forgiven. Hmm. That you have peace. You've made, been made whole. Every spiritual blessing. See, for, not from. God is fundamentally for you. As a result, we get to live from a place of blessing, not for blessing. We live from approval, not for approval. We live from a place of acceptance, not for acceptance. We live from significance, not for significance. Let me give you a story that might help because this is, I think, perhaps the hardest one for us to truly get our minds around because we live in an earn it culture and somehow we got to make our own peace and get, feel significant. And we spend the great majority of our lives seeking approval, trying to find uh, our significance in what we do and what others say and finding achievements and all those sort of things. And think about how free you would be. Think about how free you'd be to live out who you're made to be if you weren't constantly pursuing others' approval and acceptance. If you weren't searching for significance the the whole time. Uh, a pastor named Mike Erie tells this story, and, and it so poignantly pulled it together for me, because I, I gotta be honest, I wrestle with this one too. I, I'm preaching to myself right now. I, I woke up this morning going, God, I need this message. 
God, I, I need this message. I need to hear from you what's true of me. Uh, and he tells this story, and as a couple friends of his that were going through the adoption process, and it was actually in the foster care system, and, and the story of this child, and he's with his biological parents, and his biological parents, what they did to punish him is over the weekends, they would lock him in his room and give him no food or water. And so kids adapt, and they're, they're pretty smart. And so what he started doing throughout the week is taking some of his food and hiding it in his room to survive the weekends of being punished by his parents. And well, um, thankfully, he was taken out of that uh, scenario and, and he went into a new home and had new parents. And you know what he did? He began to take food that he was given and hide it in his room. And his parents walked in, and his new adoptive parents walked in and found food hidden in his room. Now, now let me ask you this. Were those parents angry at him that he hid food? No. Did it break their heart? Absolutely. You know what they told him? Honey, you're in a new home. You never have to worry about hiding food again because there's a fridge that is full and it'll never be unlocked. It's for you. And for some of us, we simply need to hear that. That you live in a new home and you have been given a new name in Christ Jesus and yeah, we bring our old habits and our, whole, our past and all those things in it, and we think maybe somehow God's angry or against us in that. No, it just breaks his heart. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm for you. And, and you live in a place from blessing. All that I have is at your disposal. You don't have to hide food anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. You can now begin to live out what's true of you. I love what Dallas Willard says about grace. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. And for some this morning, you have the voice of accusation and condemnation. The voice that says you aren't good enough. The voice that says you'll never improve. You're a failure. You failed again. God could never want you. And the truth is, is even though you might be hiding food in your room, you live in a new home from, with a father who says, no, 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 I'm for you, and you are blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hello, people of God, you're blessed. <laughs> Fundamentally, God wants something for me. As a result, I live from blessing. Now, let me give you a quick illustration of why that makes a difference. Earlier this week, um, I didn't ask, so I'm looking up at my wife. So I apologize. I try to ask anytime I share stories that include her too. Um, we got in a fight. <laughs> um, it was all my fault, so I'll say that up from the, uh, up from the very beginning. 
And, and we kind of were knocking heads. And, and the reason why, as I look back on it, it is everything my wife was saying, I was viewing through a lens. And we do this with people all the time, don't we? Especially those we love. I was viewing through the lens that she was just simply being critical of my behavior, critical of my action, instead of viewing that she is my wife who loves me and who's for me. It's amazing how we hear the same thing fundamentally different. See, some of you have never like, been in church for a while because you've heard the message and it's, you've heard it from a critical aspect. You've heard it, you heard it through the lens of God against me, I gotta get right, and all those sort of things. And what you need to hear is you can see it through a whole new lens when you embrace that God is for me, he loves me, and I am blessed. I didn't do anything to earn it. I can't do anything to not earn it. It's just the reality of who I am. And so I'm going to walk around because I'm blessed. I don't need others' approval because I have the approval of God. I don't need to achieve over here because I I have all that I need. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are blessed. Paul gives this closing prayer, and I love this. He says this, and we're going to pray it each week through this series. I keep on asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That they won't be darkened, but but that you'd begin to see with clarity. The hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Uh, We have a close family friend. His name's A.C. He just celebrated his 80th um, birthday. Um, He's from my Texas years. Um, Many years ago, he had cataracts, uh, and so life began to get dimmer. And I don't know if you know anyone with cataracts, but uh, you just kind of uh, adjust to life. And you just compensate. And just assume this is the way life always has to be. And he, and he adjusted. And, you know, eventually the light, your eyes get foggy and cloudy, and then the light feels brighter, and so you get these really dark glasses, and, and everything begins to get dim. And, and just recently, he had a surgery. It's amazing. It was a quick surgery. He had a surgery that replaced the lens of his eyes, that they could literally surgically go in and take the old lens out and put a new lens in his eye. And, and as a result, on his 80th birthday, he had 2015 vision, better than when he was eight years old vision. And for some here, this is what you need to hear. You've been the prodigal and you're a long way off and you just accepted this is the way life and you've just made adjustments, and God wants to give you a new lens to see life through, and it's in 
Christ. And when you embrace, God is for me and I'm living from blessing. God is for you and so why wouldn't you go towards God? And if you are far from God, whether you've never had a relationship with him or if you feel far from him and you have and you just feel like he never wants you, today is the day where he wants to give you a new set of lenses. And for others, uh, we didn't talk about him. In the prodigal, there's an older brother. I sadly identify with him a lot. The older brother didn't go off because he stayed trying to earn his father's favor, and so when the prodigal came back, he was just upset. And he just le- lived in this earning, achieving approval. And for some of you, you need to let it go. You're religiously right, but you're a jerk. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. And, and you, you have a God whose approval you don't have to somehow earn. He already approves, and today you go, okay, I want to live today from. I'm gonna live today from because I have a God who's for me. I'm gonna live today from. Where are you? Let's pray. God, thanks for this moment. Thanks for the truth about us that we find in you. God, I pray that this morning would be a morning in which those who are far from you would run towards you, that those who have never uh, even stepped into a relationship with you, they would just cry out, I want to know you, and I know that as, as the God who loves them, you are quick to run to them. And may we be a people who see through a different set of lenses and live from and from blessing. In Jesus' name.